You're listening to the British Baseball Podcast. And joining me on today's episode of the British Baseball Podcast for a Beers and Baseball Chat, I'm talking to Jonathan Rodriguez, J-Rod and Chris Ward of the Empire Strikes Back Podcast and also the Guildford Mavericks. Gentlemen, how are we? Hi Matt, how are you? Cheers. Hmm. Uh, sparkling water, but it's in a San Miguel glass. No, it's posh as you, flat. <laughs> so uh, the purpose of today's uh, episode is that we're just, we're just chatting off air um, and we had a really interesting conversation, decided we should record it as a podcast because it was just, it's just really good fun. Usually I, I script these because it, it's a mental aid for me to be as prepared as possible. But I found that the free-flowing nature of just a, a general chit-chat was, was great fun. Uh, so I've invited Chris on to be my, my co-host because one of the things I really wanted to know about uh, was J-Rod and the Lancashire legends. Uh, so J-Rod, do you want to unmute yourself and we can, we can have a chat? Yeah, let's do it. Go for it. Uh, so, the Legends, how did this idea for the Lancashire Legends come about? Well, it's like when I decided, when we decided as a family to move from the States uh, back to my wife's home, hometown of Burnley, uh, it, it, it was always my dream to create the Lancashire Legends. Uh, I had the Legends uh, program established in Southern California and uh, that it was going to be the goal. I was going to start baseball in Lancashire and call them the Lancashire legends. Uh, in my mind, it was like five years, you know, maybe in five years, I'll have a team. We'll be able to grow baseball enough and we'll play in the NBL. And that was kind of like the vision, but uh, you know, coronavirus is as kind of uh, heavy as it, as it's been on all of us. Uh, it's kind of organized and rearranged things in a way. And it just fell right into place for us. Um, basically just, I would say the end of June, maybe, uh, when they announced the BBF, I, I had just, when I, when I was brought on to, uh, be the manager of the U18 Great Britain team, I thought it'd be a great time to start the Lancashire Legends, but kind of as a, uh, as a way to go out and travel in Europe and take the GB guys out in Europe and be able to provide a little bit more and be a little more flexible and you know, experiment with things that I normally wouldn't experiment with uh, when I have Great Britain across my chest, you know? So I created it and I swear we were on a, a GBUA team Zoom call and I announced to the, to the U18 group, I said, uh, I have the Lancashire Legends and we're gonna use this to go play in tournaments around Europe, you know, during bank holiday weekends and things like that. And during that, like during this speech on the Zoom call, um, I hear my phone over here going like zzz, zzz, zzz. And uh, it's one of the parents who uh, he was, he was texting me like crazy. The BBF just announced a tournament on August 1st. Uh, it's open to anybody, you know, it was great. You know, I read up on it after the meeting and it was like, let's get the Lancashire legends in here. So I talked to the BBF, uh, you know, made sure, talked to some clubs, made sure it was cool. Kind of the concept of getting the, the U18 players who were interested and really didn't, maybe didn't have an opportunity at that time get them all on the same team and, you know, let's, let's get after and get to know each other a little bit and play the game. And I get to watch you play. Uh, you get to play in front of me and it'd be great. So we kind of put it together and we thought maybe double A, triple A, 
but then Hearts dropped out of the NBL and there was a vacancy in there. And, you know, we put our hands up and it's like, well, if we're going to do it, might as well do it at the highest level and just start there. Right. So, uh, you know, we're lucky enough to get the invite to, to go in the NBL and next news. And I mean, this is probably like within a few weeks, really. Um, after the end of June, they, they announced the tournament maybe in early July. And it was probably like two weeks we had to prepare uh, to put a roster together for the NBL. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that was kind of, you know, next, next news. We have, we have uh, 20, 15 to 20 year olds on the roster, all competing at the highest level of baseball in Great Britain. And um, it started off maybe a little uh, kind of guys, we were a little unknown about what the competition was and what we could do, but it's really starting to come together now. Yeah, it's been interesting. Have you not noticed any like natural leaders out of the group you've got there helping with the youngers? Because it's not just under 18s, is it? There's there's 15 year olds in there. There's 20 um, odd year olds too. Yes, our oldest player, I believe, maybe just turned 21 last week. I'll have to check on that. But I I say 15 to 20 year olds, and there's a, there's a lot uh, a big range of players. So. Miguel Rodriguez is an established player uh, in this country. I think he's played for Hearts. He played for the Southampton Mustangs um, uh, when, they were, when they were around, and I think they won an NBL championship. So he's a champion in this country. Um, and he's also, uh, uh, he was starting second baseman for our U23s. So he's came in and, you know, at our, game, at our games last weekend, I see him talking to a 15-year-old kid who, who is, you know, really – not very experienced and quite honestly should not be competing at the NBL. But, you know, a guy like Miggy takes his arm around him and says, Hey, you know, has, I see him in the corner of the dugout talking and um, next at bat, that kid goes up there and hits a double, you know? So it's like, it's all working together right now with guys like uh, Miguel Rodriguez, uh, Connor Smith has been another one from Scotland and he's taken on to teaching a lot of the younger kids. I think he, he's just, I think he's 18 right now, maybe just turned 19. So he's taken on um, to that. And then as far as like the younger side goes, uh, Django Hendrickson uh, is, is, is kind of a leader of that group as far as just put, being put in big spots and kind of carrying them. Um, and then we have, you know, all, all throughout the, the roster, we have guys who kind of lead in their own way and, and kind of do their own thing. Um, Matt Moran is another experienced one who's played with GBU-23s. Um, Ren Quantrill from Scotland leads by example. Everybody loves Ren. You know, he's from Scotland. He's 6'3". He's the fastest guy on our team. He's one of the best hitters. And, you know, he talks a little bit, but everybody just kind of looks at him and tries to do what he does. So there's a lot of different kinds of leadership, but we have a great group and it's all coming together. Yeah. Really good point, though, around the different kinds of leadership you've got today, Rod, because when I, when I was in the dugout, I, I could you, you can pretty much tell that every single person on that team is on a level that they're there to, to be better, to learn, to impart knowledge. And they're all doing that for each other all the time. Um, and it's really, really noticeable that, you know, I get the feeling that they could easily just switch, switch those roles up and down. You know, the, uh, the younger ones can take the older ones and, and give them some hints and tips and stuff. And I don't think they, you know, they take it. Do you know what I mean? There, there was a real sense in that dugout that everyone was on a level, despite the fact that, that there was that age disparity and the fact that you said, you know, you're quite right. There's, there's some guys in there that arguably would struggle at an MBL level, but they don't. They, they pick each other up. 
they work for each other. And um, in that victory at the, at the weekend, man, that was something else. That was something else. Yeah, it was cool, Chris. I'm glad you were in the dugout for that. Uh, guys who don't know, like Chris just uh, – well, we, we knew each other from BSUK Academy and HPA sessions that you've coached and been very dedicated with. And, you know, so we've coached before, and Chris just sent a message to me. Jared, I'd love to come down on Saturday and, you know, hang out. And I told him at first, I was like, well, we have the rules with the dugout and we can only allow 13 players and one coach in the dugout, but come and help pregame and help me run all that stuff and just hang out with us on the outside. And, you know, Chris, he did such a great job and, and I could feel it uh, pregame. Just, he was really getting, getting to work with these kids. And, you know, I said, you know what, Chris, come in the dugout with me, man. I'll, I'll, I'll have an extra player on the outside and, um, you know, we got to hang out and we got to share that moment. That was your first game as a, you know, in the Lancashire Legends dugout and, and we won it. So I was really pumped that I got to turn you and shake your hand after that win, Chris, after, you know, all, you know, we've, we've been coaching a lot together for the last few years. So um, yeah, that, that was, was awesome. that was great. But as far as like the roles of the team go, for sure, we, we try to compartmentalize. We have, we, I encourage the players to be honest with themselves at all times. You know, we, we have to identify what stage they're at in the game. And, and the number one thing about creating a, a, like a fully functional team is that everybody has to be comfortable with where they're at as well. Like you can't be, you, you can't be, uh, you know, gosh, I'm, I'm trying to go big league reference here, but you know, you can't be like a, a pinch hitter uh, from the Miami Marlins um, and, and, you know, ex like try to be Mike Trout. Like you got to know your role, like you're a pinch hitter on the Marlins, you know, like, you're not going to get paid $400 million to play center field and hit 40 home runs every year. And uh, we have those stages right now where they're, they're just guys. that's like survive, just go out there and survive, man. And just see some pitches, just see the eight mile per hour pitches that are moving this way and moving that way. Like, and whatever happens after that happens great. If you get a hit. And then we got some guys who are like, you know, at the stage where, they're really close to competing and they really want to get after it. And they're like good enough. And they've been doing all the training and usually like maybe the 16, 17, 18 year olds, they're just this close to breaking through and really becoming performers. Then we have the guys who are, you know, up there a little bit more like Miguel Rodriguez. They're trying to fine tune some things and get ready for a European championship run in 2021. But regardless of their role, um, we make it, we make sure that they know that they add value to the team regardless and that, you know, just trying to make them comfortable with wherever they're at. And um, when that happens, everybody kind of lets their guard down and they just become completely honest with each other. And they start talking to each other more and listening. And we did that this weekend, Chris, better than any other weekend. And I think I told the guys we became a team this weekend or this last weekend. Yeah, it's one of the things that I remember speaking to Ben when I had the aftermatch uh, interview with, with the lads um, is that he mentioned that coming together more and playing more together as a unit, it, it did feel like they were becoming more and more of the team as it came on. And one of the things I noticed when I was stood at the dugout as well, which is one of the things I really want to talk to you about today, um, is that when you spoke, J-Rod, they listened. And it's very rare that I've seen from my own coaching experiences, and it probably speaks a lot as me as a what have been 17, 18-year-old coach then, is if you don't get their attention, they're just going to do their own thing. Like you never give them a ball to start off with like a basketball, never give them a basketball before you start giving instructions because they're just bouncing it and they're off. But you yeah. have the attention of every single player 
on your team. It's like when you speak, they listen. And it's just, it was an amazing thing to experience because I've never, my, my baseball experience from watching it on TV, you very rarely hear from managers. You never see them controlling the game or talking. Um, but to see you in action was just something different. And even when I was stood over at the Mets dugout, all I could hear, and even in the footage and the highlights of the game too, all I can hear is you talking to players. And I love that, the, the questioning, every, everything had a purpose behind it. You was always giving in-the-moment feedback all the time. It was, it was really good. But like, how did, is that how you normally are when you do uh, with the under-18s or like with the, with the legends over in Long Beach? Is that your, your management style, your coaching style? Not, well, I tell, I, tell, I tell the legends because you're right. Like I listened to that and I could hear myself, da, 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 da. And that's how I am. And I love it. I'm, I've always been high energy and I've always been very, uh, like, I love the layers of the game. I've always been into it. And Chris, we've had many discussions about that and the small intricacies and, you know, it's what keeps us going, right? Like yeah. <laughs> figuring it out. Um, but I've never had the opportunity to teach it like from square one and that's what I came out here and uh, they at first I'm not gonna lie at first I didn't have really anybody's attention I remember the first time I dressed the team I was talking to them nobody was making eye contact to me like they were but there were a lot that weren't and I noticed I was like "Hmm, what am I you know like interesting you know I just logged it in my mind but um you know the the they need constant feedback. They need the attention to detail and they need, they, that's what they're hungry for. And that's why they signed up for the legends, to be honest. So I tell my team, like usually in a perfect world, when, when we're good and when we get to the point where we're working to get to, you're going to see me in that corner of that dugout, uh, you know, with my feet up and I'm just going to say, all right, I'm going to write the lineup and say, go get them. But we're not at that point right now. So you know, it's, it's baseball school for these kids. And I use every single pitch as the opportunity to be able to teach like the game, because it's this man, it's like, it's like playing an instrument or something, you know, it's, it's, it's a different kind of game. There's so many levels to it. And, you know, you talk about like football or, or basketball or something like that. And I played basketball, not too familiar with like the intricacies of football, but there, there's just certain things in the game um that kind of level out to a certain point but baseball is like it's something you never figure out kind of like an art I would consider it more of like an art where it's just this I don't know what it is like the ball the way the ball is and and the 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 shape of the bat and there's just so many different variables and it's a it's an individual sport right like individual like look at it it's an individual sport it's pitcher versus catcher but it's wrapped in a team environment where you depend on these other guys as well. Your pitcher depends on his catcher. The hitter depends on the, the guy before him wearing down the pitcher so that uh, he can have an easier at bat. Like it, it's, it's so there's just so many different variables. So uh, these kids, that's what they signed up for. And that's why they trusted in me. So I use these opportunities at first, you know, I kind of just watched them the first game and just see, kind of see where they were at and how they would take on to information. And then I started, I slowly started just gaining the dialogue and increasing my dialogue and starting to make more, you know, things that we can touch back on, like verbiage, like I call it tiered information, you know, so I'll say like, guys, this is like first tier stuff, basic stuff. Like you got, if infielders got to put their gloves in one spot of the dugout, outfielders put all their gloves in the other spot. 
And then when the guy gets left on base, instead of running all the way back in, then going back out to his spot, you know where his glove and hat are. You take it to him. He throws his helmet in. Somebody picks it up. And then that dude saves about, you know, I don't know how many steps, a bunch. And it, that, that little stuff adds up, like, in the grand scheme of things, especially when you're playing long days. And that's, like, first-tier stuff. I call that first-tier. But then I'll be like, all right, 10th-tier, guys, 10th-tier, and I'll expand it. I'll be like, all right, with a runner on first and third, when you steal second base, that runner on third should fake like he's going so that the catcher looks at him just for long enough so that he doesn't get the guy at second. And I'll just throw stuff at him. And it's never like me just talking uh, out of nowhere. It always, it's always like feedback from the game. So I let the game kind of show it. And then I just go, okay, this is what just happened, guys. And man, it's like, it's been great. It's been like so fulfilling for me as a coach to coach this way. It's always what I wanted to do, really. And the kids love it. So, you know, that's kind of how that, that it's just like a perfect blend, I guess. It's about asking why as well. Like in those situations, you, you, you tend to ask, okay, so, so the game taught us something today. What did it teach us? Why did it teach us that lesson? Uh, why did this happen? And that kind of stuff. And, and that makes such a big difference because it, it's not just J-Rod or me or some other coach telling them what the answer is. It's them working out the answer for themselves. And that makes such a massive difference. And it, you don't realize how much of a big difference that makes in it going into a player's head about the, the, those simple things, those tier one things. Uh, th those tier one things that actually... In, in the UK, we don't do too well. And the reason we don't do them too well is because we, we have that kind of relaxed attitude around it, which actually the, the example that you just gave, J-Rod, is a really good one of where we have really long days. You know, we don't play uh, all week. And then on a weekend, we either play, you know, on a Saturday all day or a Sunday all day or whatever. And you play a long day. The, the shorter you can make that day for your player, the more, the, the more time that they can get actually doing baseball things, the better. But actually, you know, the majority of the time we're kind of, because it's um, a recreational sport rather than something that they're necessarily aiming towards all the time, that then becomes a little bit lax. When, but when you have these players who do have a, a, a much higher goal to achieve, you really see how that they, they, take, on those, they take on those tier one things and say, hey, do you know what? This is really important, actually. I, I need to do this. Um, and they get it. They do. They really do get it. It's, it's beautiful. Well, I've been lucky, Chris, and like you saw in the dugout where the game, sometimes the game rewards you. So, and a lot of the time it doesn't. And uh, you can, like players can work and work and work and work and they, they, the game doesn't reward them. And they could hit three balls really hard right at the shortstop and go over three and not get a hit that day like, and big picture wise, the game doesn't always reward you. But I've been lucky that a lot of the stuff that we talk about happens. And um, that you just got to chalk it up to the baseball gods. Like, and we talk about the baseball gods a lot and getting them on our side and having them look, look upon us. And there's little things that you have to do to be able to, to make the baseball gods on your side and get the ball bouncing your way. And I, I'm trying to figure out how that actually is a real thing in life. But that's like getting way too scientific. We'll save that for another one. But uh, yeah, like the um, uh, Matt Moran. So for example, we, we've, we've constantly talked about getting on and off the field. It's very important. We even introduced this thing called nine to five where we have to get nine guys back in the dugout before they get five out. 
and that's our thing that and then and then it's reversed right we get whatever the reverse is i can't think of it right now but um basically like you just might think oh it's just you know oh it's good they're making them hustle or it just looks good right but in in all action it keeps you in the rhythm of the game by by stopping in between innings you're stopping yourself like imagine yourself as like a, a train or something like you stop and it takes a while to get going so matt moran last game we've been talking about this talking about it, talking about it last game matt moran uh chopper to the third baseman absolutely legs out a single the i mean he's full sprint 90 feet boom legs it out next pitch our um our catcher angel ropes a double down the third baseline now matt has to run and he scores from first base so like those things like that's baseball where you sprint night you might be doing nothing and walking around everywhere for two hours but in you're going to be asked to sprint 90 feet and then possibly like another 180 feet after that oh, is that 100 is that 360 is that <laughs> Now you're asking for maths on a, on a, on a podcast where we're yeah. all drinking. That's not going to go well. It's whatever it is, like you're going to have to run around that quick, that fast. So doing those little things in between innings, running out to your position, uh, running to, from station to station, wherever you're at, always just keeping that tempo and that vibe just helps you in those situations. Like you could be in left field and not get a ball hit to you all day. And it's the fifth inning with runners on first and second and tie game. All of a sudden, you gotta you gotta run a hundred feet to go catch a ball full sprint with your head still, and you gotta catch that thing, or else everybody's gonna be mad at you. Like, so there's no like off and on switch really in the game. It's always on it from the I tell them from the moment they step out of the car when they when they when their foot when their two feet hit hit the pavement when they step out of that car, there it's it's go time, and it's been something that we've worked a lot at, and to be honest, seen great results. Way like. I think it's the most important thing that we've done so far as far as and better than anything we've done technically with them, any mechanics, anything like that has been just getting their pace up all the time. You talked about it as well, J-Rod, it, it is the, the mental side of the game. And I don't think that people realize exactly the challenges of working with um, uh, guys that the age that you're working with them at. So you're, you're talking about dealing with p people from the age of 15 to 20, when they're going through all sorts of changes, their bodies, their minds are going all through all sorts of changes. And you're talking about dealing in a sport where failure is absolutely something you've got to deal with every time um, uh, to help get you better. Uh, and actually, you know, a lot of these players are, are, are coping with that. And like I say, they, they they do so well. When when you look at them, the I say it, particularly in the in the dugout, when you see the smiles on their faces and the and the way that they go about things, and the fact that they enjoy it no matter what's going on, because they they know that they know it's the, the game. They know, you know, we we've talked about uh, how to to get mentally prepared for a game and and that kind of stuff. They know they know that, and that makes a massive massive difference. And there's a lot of a lot of players across the country who don't really have the understanding of the fact that this game is not about mechanics. It's not about athleticism. You've got to have those things, but you've got to be mentally prepared. And, and, and by being mentally prepared, that means being mentally ready when you step out of the car, when you put your feet on the ground, ready to go all day long and, and being prepared for that the whole day 
um, makes a massive, massive difference. And, and you can see it. You can see it happening, being mentally prepared for a game. Just And the way that they go out, come in and go out of the dugout, the nine to five thing, makes such a massive difference in the way that they're prepared for a game. And you can see, the, you can see it in the body language of the players particularly. Um, and how they move and how they get along. And, and, and that's the, the great thing about this, this particular team, the Legends. You, you can, really can see it all day long. Um, and, and they're excited to be there. And that makes a massive, massive difference. I was going to say, did, did you see anything or did you experience anything on, over the weekend working with J-Rod that you're going to try and implement in Guildford with the youth there? Oh, mate, I, 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 found, I found something straight away. I, I immediately on Saturday, probably one of the first things I saw and I stole it for Sunday fact straight away. So one of the, the key things about uh, playing in a shortened season is the fact that, that you're struggling for timing for your batters. So your batters are, uh, you know, we haven't seen live pitching in six months. And if we have, it's very, very fit, slim. You haven't seen much of it. And one of the things that I heard J rod talking about and saw immediately in the dugout was you have a guy on deck, you have a guy in the hole and you have someone else, J-Rod. The dungeon. The dungeon. The dungeon. Yeah. We we, dude, we implemented the dungeon on Sunday for, um, in Guildford straight away. No messing about. Um, because timing the ball, again, players do not realize how important timing the ball is, especially in a season like we're having right now. Um, so we implemented that straight away on the Sunday. Made a massive difference to us. Uh, and, and again, it keeps you keeps you ready keep and it keeps the lineup flowing i love it i thought it was a great idea um and then um so yeah that that was awesome and the other again from a timing perspective something that i and i took a picture of it and i and i'm happy to share it if if uh, if we're we're able to um it, it's uh, um the, when the game started their starting pitcher came on the mound and i swear the starting nine were up along a side from the legends and every single one of them is swinging every single one of them is trying to get their timing every single one of them is watching that picture and trying to understand it because they want that chance they want that opportunity and they want to show to j-rod that that they've been listening and that they've, they've they can do a job at that level and if, if they keep on doing stuff like that absolutely all day long yeah it did look amazing i actually had it uh, unfortunately the game file for game one from like the other week was corrupt and i can't rescue it i'm so, I'm so sorry but oh. yeah when you when you first did it and I, I just had that that shot of everyone just stood there just swinging in the black and white and i was just like yeah that looks that looks really cool yeah it was the the orca and that was like the first uh orca analogy i gave them matt so like that was so cool that you were there for that you know uh Thank you guys for both your support, but it's the, it's, it's the whole idea. Like as far as the dungeon goes, uh, well, I noticed for sure we weren't, we didn't have our timing down. That was like, that's what I saw. We weren't comfortable in the box. So it's like, all right, how do I get these guys comfortable in the box? We went on the mechanics and we did some things where I had to, I made them hit kind of like a flamingo where they were, they had to be with their leg up. Uh, their front leg up you guys you've seen that Chris yeah and then they have to wait till I throw the ball to then step and hit and that kind of helps with that so I try to make like drills mechanically as simple as possible I don't even tell them what it's for really I just tell them you know just try just step to the ball with confidence step to it with confidence and I put them in little situations where it makes them uncomfortable but 
but they really have, they really feel the right things. Um, so I helped, I, I, I attacked it with that great results. And then during game two of Essex on the second week, uh, we had come in from the dugout. We had come in, I think it was a long inning and there's nobody out there. And the picture's like four pitches in the catch goes coming down and there's still no hitter out there. And I look and I see the hitter is supposed to be leaning off and he's like messing with his helmet and like batting gloves aren't even on. And I'm just like, his back was completely turned towards the pitcher. So it could have been anybody out there. He would have never noticed, never seen a pitch from that, from that pitcher and never had any kind of timing. And he would have to go in that box and compete for his team. Like right then and there, there's no way around it. Like you got to go do it. So it like that kind of led my idea that kind of kicked off my idea that one instant, I won't, I won't name names, but that one kid uh, hit the light bulb. Like we need to do a better job of getting in the dugout, reading the lineup, knowing our spots in the lineup, managing our in the lineup. So what do we do? Like we make that, we make an out, how do we decompress and then start preparing again for it? And then like getting into the zone. So that's where the dungeon comes in. So that's like when you step into the zone, like you're, you're in, you, you go down into the cellar or whatever you, however you want to call it. Like, you put on your helmet, you put on your gloves. I call it putting on, I tell the guys like, put on your armor, right? Like, like you're a hitter going, you're a warrior right now. You got to transform into a warrior. So like that helmet going on and those gloves going on, you know, that's, that, that should mean something. So you do that when you're four, you're four places up and then you just start getting in that warrior mentality in the dungeon. Then you go up and you're in the hole, you're three batters away and you start looking at the timing a little bit more. You start noticing a couple more things. You start looking at where the pitcher's releasing the ball, what kind of, if he's throwing balls or strikes. Um, and then you go back, you go on deck and you do your, your routine there, getting your timing, getting loose, getting your swings in. And then hopefully by that time, you know, four hitters, it's been a few minutes, you know, and you've had five or six minutes to prepare for your at bat. So you're in rhythm with that game. You're, you, you feel the heartbeat of the game and it's the, like you don't need mechanics are really, really important and you need them. Like they're very important to do the right things mechanically out there, but your mechanics will never show up in the game unless you do these mental things and you be able in your, and they're able to handle that the right way, the lineups and knowing when their spots coming up and things like that. And, you know, it, and then it, it just goes as far as like the timing goes, it just shows up and in the games and, you know, like, a pitcher, unless he does something funky with his delivery and throws guys off, like he's got, you can time him up. And if you get your foot down at the right time and you keep your hands back and you close your eyes and swing as hard as you could, like you're going to, you're going to hit some, you're going to hit. And a lot of our kids are seeing that right now and we're, they're getting success and uh, it's, it's just feeding on it, you know? So they're, now they're taking, now they're making it theirs. And that's at the end of the day, that's what I want it to be. I don't want it to be my thing. Like you gotta look like orcas out there. It's like, try this out. You know, this is, this is kind of, you know, this, uh, let, let me show you this trick and then you take it and make it however you want. And uh, they love it. They love it. Yeah. What sort of feedback have you had from the kids? I say kids. I hate that. Sorry. From the young athlete. Feedback. I mean, I get a lot, a lot of questions. A, a lot of guys come up to me and ask, you know, they, they trust me and they swing or they're part of their game and they come up to me and, you know, they, they ask me how to fix it, which is great. That's like the first thing that I want. I want them to ask me questions and I want them to be honest with themselves, you know, and, mm. and that's been the greatest kind of feedback so far is that they feel comfortable enough to identify 
by, by what they need help with in their game and then uh, ask me to help with that. But like, as far as the, um, the hitting goes and all that stuff, I mean, they love it. That's, it all started with, uh, after the Essex game, after that happened with the timing and the dugout and all that, I made a plan for the next week and we were playing the London Mets on Sunday. And I said, man, if this goes on and, and we don't fix this, it's going to be ugly on Sunday. So I scheduled a, uh, I scheduled a scrimmage, um, like a training slash scrimmage on Saturday. And in the rules of the game, I created this game. And in the rules of the game, like I put in a pressure situation. So it was like, I hit them a pop-up before the inning started. And I would, I'd tell them like, if you don't catch this pop-up, you got, you're going to start the inning with the bases loaded. The other team gets to start the inning with the base load. So like that pop-up's hit to the guy and he's really feeling that pressure. You know, he doesn't want to let his team down. So it kind of like mimics the game. And in that scrimmage, I also made the rule that if you nine to five, the other team, uh, you get to hit with, with uh, an extra out that inning. So, I mean, we had guys like, <laughs> and in between innings, they were feeling pressure and they were, you know, learning how to handle pressure and they were learning how to fail in front of each other. Cause that's another one, man. You're like 15, 16 year old kids. Like you fail in front of your peers, Whew. you know, like that could be daunting. So they learned that it's cool. It's cool in this environment. Like we're all on the same path. Like I fail all the time, man. One time I drove the team like an hour in the wrong direction to the wrong game as a coach. Like I told them like <laughs> all the time, like coaches, we, we, yeah. So, so we made that training session on the Saturday before the London Mets game. And I kid you not, they, they loved it. They, they, I put them, it was all game situation stuff. And I just, it was another, it was just a way to control the game a little, little bit more than in the NBL. Cause in the NBL, like, you know, these dudes can play. And it's not a real, it's not a great place to teach that kind of, um, that kind of thing. It's a good place to reinforce it, but not to teach it. So we did that training session on Saturday. The guys absolutely loved it. And that was the most feedback is that they want more of that. And they want to get more at bats in a practice setting. And they want to, you know, and they, they now it's like a thing now when we see other teams like, oh, we just nine to five them coach the game against the London Capitals. I love the London Capitals, but, um, like every player in our dugout was saying we nine to five them every inning and chris knows chris was oh, there yeah. man <laughs> oh yeah i, I watch it what, what i'm loving is the competition as well you you see it in those kids faces they want to nine to five them they want it every inning it's awesome it's great to watch and you talk about being like um the i think some of the stuff you said about being mentally ready jay was massively important and and the, it's about being prepared and turning up prepared for every little bit and what i love about baseball is the fact that it crosses over into absolutely everything that you do so for me i'm really very i have to be prepared for stuff so it, i if, if i've got a meeting i know i need to prepare for that meeting i need to be prepared ready and i need to have all my plans in place i need to know everything i need to know ready for that meeting and i'm prepared for it and if i'm prepared for it i can handle the awkward questions i can handle moving around and having to, to to make adjustments during that meeting so that I can I can deliver what I need to deliver so long as I'm prepared and what you're talking about here is exactly the same thing is just being prepared being in a mindset that's ready to go on a baseball field that allows you to prepare for an at-bat to prepare to field the ball on every pitch to prepare to make every pitch and and if if you are having an at-bat in that situation and you're prepared you can easily adjust you can make those adjustments and you can make those hits but if you're not, and if you're not ready and you're not prepared, 
then then you're you're not going to go that far. And that's where things that you know the, the tools that J Rod's given these these young guys is is massively important for them not just for what they do on a baseball field quite frankly but for what they do in life and that's part of the reason I, we talked about a bit before matt about why we love teaching teaching the younger guys yeah. but this is it we, we can we can turn uh young guys into great athletes into great baseball players but also into into great human beings and that's that's a wonderful thing to watch what it's all about what it's all about i mean they'll it'll translate for sure in any other aspect of their life and uh it's just creating that mentality you know the yeah you want to be successful or not and baseball just shows it just it's it's a it's a they keep stats you know they keep wins and losses i guess and we don't we don't worry about those too much but we worry about the little things that add up to those stats and if you want to be successful in anything in life, like that's kind of how you have to go about it, right? Um, is and that that's what it teaches the guys that there's something bigger. Like you can't just graduate from your uni and walk into a, a job and make a whole bunch of money and buy a yacht. Like that's not how it works. You know, you there are little things that you need to hit between now and then. And if you do that for long enough, then yes, you will be able to achieve these things that you set forth. But uh, if you lose track of those little things at all along the way and you start focusing too much on that end goal, then you're going to be, you're going to make a wrong turn somewhere along the way and lose track. So uh, that, that goal and that, and look at our record, man. And Chris, I mean, well, you got, you saw us win, but Matt, you saw us at the end after we dropped two games against the London Mets. Did it look like we lost those games? Not at all. No. And that was one of the amazing things to, to sort of see, because I was going to actually, ask as well like because all these kids we, we know that baseball is like a game of failure but oh, i've said kids again all these young athletes like especially in 15 years and they're going up against london mets arguably one of the best teams in the country like i was always wondering like how how if, if you're playing like a different sport and you get crushed by somebody like say it was a um, 17-4 playing football your chances are you're not really going to want to play again next week because you got your ass on it here, but like you said, then it, you, you you wouldn't have guessed you you were on the receiving end of, of a defeat. Like even even at like the end shot, you could hear across from across the way that the energy and the positive is still there. I mean, like how how hard is it to get these kids to stay positive? Do they do it themselves? Do do they have like no expectations because they know what their opposition's like? I mean, what what's the sort of mindset you install in them throughout the game or before the game? Well, ooh, that's a good one, man. Like, I, I'll try to put it into words. Uh, I tell them the first, the first meeting of any Legends team I've ever had, I said it for the very first Long Beach Legends team, the Long Beach Legends uh, in 2012. I had no idea what to expect. I was like 25 years old. I just turned 25. I'm coaching like these dudes that, you know, are going to end up playing pro ball one day. I had no idea what I was doing. And I said, we, we had 50 games scheduled that summer. I said, we can go 50 and 0 or we can go own 50. I don't care. All I know is that I put a roster together. We're financially stable. I got to pick out the uniforms and we're good. Like I'm good. I'm okay now. Like you guys do whatever you want with it. So there's, I told that, I told the Lancashire legends that first meeting, I tell every legends team that you, this is your thing. You can do whatever you want. This isn't my thing. This isn't a, a club. This is yours as in, as in a group of individuals. 
but never never lose track of the fact that this is a group of individuals right and and there's there's a group to be um you know there's a group mentality in here as well but if we all do our thing together individually as a group then we'll be okay and we'll get to define our own success and that's kind of what we do like we define our own success and that goes back to being very comfortable with where we're at and you know i told them i have no idea what to expect with the competition level um you know we got smacked in the face the first day against the london capitals and it was like all right well now we're gonna we're gonna work on being you know uh we're gonna work on being twice as better than we were when we came in and just kind of like leaving that as the base and and just always keeping them focused on learning the small aspects of the game and that's a good, been a good distraction for them is keep them out of the keep them off the big results and just show them lift the veil a little bit on those higher levels of baseball and those little battles that are won that may not be spoken about you know in a sometimes they talk about it in a radio broadcast or a tv broadcast for baseball but even deeper stuff you know and um always attacking that always showing them that and that's our goal that's our goal that's our goal that's our goal and at the end of it like as a coach you got to remember when those things happen because that's what you talk about and that's where they get the feeling of accomplishment because at the end of the day like you get you can get blown out in any sport like in football or whatever you probably did a couple things right along the way as an individual like and especially in coaching like you if you cookie cut and you you say oh we you know this wasn't good enough and you talk to the team like that you could be alienating a couple kids that really gave it their all and maybe that kid feels like he had the best game of his life that day so then like now you're alienating him and you're making him feel bad about a performance you know he can't help what the what the team does he can only take care of his job it's like bill belichick you know do your job the new england patriots so like compartmentalizing their jobs and then just highlighting what they did well to kind of fire him up and then um you know what they can know what they can take right 19 to 2 again or what was it like 18 to 2 against the london capitals chris i could have went right down the line and then oh that's it we we suck coach but it's like, what can they take? So there, there could be uh, something that comes up that happens to this kid in the game that's like four more levels down the road. And it's like, dude, that just sucks. You're not ready for it. My bad. You know, that's on me for inviting you to come to the NBL. You're just not ready, right? Your arm's not strong enough or you're, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're just not fast enough to get to a certain ball or like, dude, just wait it out. You're 15, you'll get faster, you'll get stronger, you'll be okay. So like not just knowing what they can, process um what's that low-hanging fruit to their development that you can constantly feed them if you can just feed them low-hanging fruit they'll get big and they'll get strong they'll be happy they'll be they'll be healthy you know but if you if you make the game a little too far out of reach for them and ask them to do things that they can't do and then on top of that make them feel bad about results dude you'll have some very you'll have some disenchanted uh kids for sure well the other thing i like about about that uh, that group that you have uh j-rod is that you you talk about those you know that mo those moments in that 18 to 2 game th there were some tough moments during that game yeah but they, they, everyone was looking out for each other throughout the game and then you watch that team go up for each other when they make a play 
They, they, they make a play. Um, somebody's struggling. They've struggled in the field and they make a great catch and make the throw, get a double, double someone off. Um, whatever that might be, you see that whole dugout absolutely completely elated like it's their birthday because that that's what's happened and and everybody's got each other's backs and 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 in a situation where you're losing 18 to 2 you do take the positives you do take the good things and and there were plenty of good things in that game j-rod and and you picked up some of them absolutely but the players noticed them themselves and 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 that's the kind of thing that's going to enable you to turn around not just a result on the day but a game um, and picking out the positives from the game because there's always going to be something in there, as you rightly say. Um, and, and they did some good stuff on that day uh, in that game and, and they all picked it up and, and they all looked after each other. Well, the other thing I like as well is I, I came by on the Sunday. So that was the Saturday, wasn't it? And I came by on the Sunday in the evening uh, after I had uh, Guildford playing Bracknell on the other diamond and I challenged the guys the night before. So I, I said, I want to hear you. I want to hear you being that loud again on, on the other field. Um, and I heard him. There was a couple of times where I heard him. Um, and, and I said, I, I asked, uh, I think it was I asked Alec Deacon. I said, hey, did you hear us? And he was like, mm, yeah, maybe a little. You weren't as loud as us, though. And, and I had to give it to him. We probably weren't. I, I, I thought we were. I thought we were loud. Um, but, yeah those kids they know how to get after it and they know how to be loud and and they know how to get each other's backs and that's massively important so important in a game of baseball it is important chris and i i heard you a couple times i heard you guys a couple times down there as well uh so yeah i was i was paying attention i was watching guys uh but it it is and i i've got to say like i can't they it's there it's and it's been there and it's been built into uh, these kids. We have a lot of kids from Brighton, and you know the the group in Brighton has done such a great job with cultivating these these kids, uh, their their um, passion and desire for the game. And and now we have five kids from Brighton, and they're legit. Like, I love those kids, and and a lot of them have been doing. I I knew from HPA and Academy, Chris, and been working with Liam and Will for a very long time, and you know, a lot of other coaches uh, in the area have put their time into these kids to, to, um, you know, develop that kind of passion, desire for the sport. Uh, Honestly, all I've done is kind of give them the game time at a high level, uh, at the highest level to kind of unlock their, to unlock that level. Like I keep thinking, I don't know if it makes any sense, but I keep thinking of these kids as like a, like a, like an app. And uh, they, they're that game time for the elite, like elite level game time where every pitch and every, um, there's so many different layers and every pitch has so many different variables and it's so important, like putting them in that environment, literally just unlock the premium app. And now these kids are like, let's go. And I'm just the guy saying, go, (laughs) you know, like, I don't know where it comes from, man, but it, well, it comes from all the guys who put in all that work before. It really does. It's just the level of baseball in the environment that's brought it out in them. You know what that reminded me of? Remind me of Super Mario. So you have the, the little Super Mario that run, comes running along. Bang. Yeah. Set him up. He's gone up a level. Up he goes. He's huge. <laughs> Off it. he goes. Dude, right now we just got the first mushroom. We just grew a little bit, I think. Dude, soon we're going to be shooting fireballs. Or maybe if you want to go Mario 3, we're, we might even be able to fly soon. That's Ooh. way down the line. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll get the leaf. We'll see. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Let's have some of that. The Lancashire Flying Legends. Brother, uh, we'll get there. 
but I, I love comparing baseball to video games because everybody's at different levels and you know, you get to another level and it just unlocks a whole, not, a whole new problem to, to solve and showing these kids that there are the levels uh, they're, they're loving learning about this kind of stuff. And I'm just, I'm blessed to be in the position to teach them. So what's over the baseball video game comparisons have you made? What's the best one? Baseball video game comparisons? Yeah. Oh, uh, man. Because that Super Mario one was pretty good. It's going to take some topping. Yeah, that was, that was on the fly. Um, I, maybe not a video game. It could, I guess it could be a video game. Uh, but more, well, I don't know. Just the fact that there's a boss at every level. Like, there's always just some, uh, there's some monster and it, you, you might like lose a life. The And I'm going to old school video games. I like quit video games after 2004. Like it's been a while. So I'm like, I'm like of the era where every level has a boss and like that boss is difficult and you get there and it's like, Oh man, this guy. And you keep trying and keep trying. And finally you break through and then you get to the next one and you forge yourself through that and, and you fight the next boss and you just like keep trying and keep trying to get through the next one. And then you go back to the boss, like two levels before you might start the game again, go back to that boss and you're just like right through him. Oh, I, I got this. And like, as far as like the big uh, video game analogy goes, like, that's it. Like that's baseball and a lot, just don't stop. Just keep going. You'll beat that boss eventually and you'll get to the next level. It'll happen. But one of my favorite ones, I don't know if you like Power Rangers, Matt, but I, I talked to a team, uh, one of my teams at Long Beach City College, I used to, I used to say, uh, we, we got to form into Megazord. So, uh, <laughs> is that, yeah. So it's like, like individually, individually were these power Rangers, right. And you can, you can beat the, like the, the low level guys, like you can beat them up on your own, but that boss is going to come out and like, you're going to have to come together and create something bigger than yourself to take that thing down. Just like the storyline for mighty Morphin power Rangers. Dude, you asked for it. Nailed it. Absolutely <laughs> nailed it. Yeah. Next level stuff right there. That's, yeah, that, that was like 12th tier. They liked that one. That, that <laughs> team really liked that one. That well, was a good one. About an hour ago, I didn't think we'd be talking about Super Nintendo and the Mighty Marvin Power Rangers. Yeah, Why not? Well, you know, I didn't think it was a good one of those sort of shows, but then anything that goes with it becomes unscripted, I guess. Uh, so have you seen the new Power Rangers movie? It's good fun if you've not seen it. I'll have to get on there. My son loves it. My which one is there's so many. There there are a lot to sort through. Oh, you have it? Yeah. My my, my, my kids have only just got into it and they haven't stopped watching it for <laughs> weeks. And I keep coming down and, and seeing scary stuff with different like lots of colours and stuff going on on the screen and I'm thinking, Really? Okay, okay. I'll go away right now. Is it, is it the original? Are they on the original or are they on the new stuff? I think they're on the new stuff. They've got to be okay. on the new stuff. Yeah, they, it's gone off. Once they lost all that Japanese B-roll footage, like they ran out of it. Yeah, I don't know about it. Like, it, it started getting wild. That was the fun of it, though. Yeah, there's some weird, weird stuff going on there. Yeah, 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 that's right. Keeping it movie-based, and what's your favorite baseball movie? Ooh. Chris, take take the lead on this one, Chris. <laughs> I like give me a minute, man. Oh minute. man. Um, do you know what? I'm going to go with the most recent one I've watched rather than my favorite because I love loads of them. The most recent one I watched is The Sandlot. 
Um, <laughs> I, I, I love that film. Um, and, and again, to, maybe it sort of speaks to why I um, love um, teaching the younger guys, maybe, and coaching the younger guys. Um, you know, <laughs> the, the passion there uh, in in that film and the fun that's going on in there, oh, it's good fun. Um, and the other thing is that, that I, I played with a guy at the weekend on Sunday who I haven't played on the same field with for I don't know five or six years. And uh, the last time we played together was on a on a scratch team which we called the Sandlot, um, and we got a load of players from Guildford, Richmond, Bracknell. Uh, we got together most of we we all sort of roughly knew each other or were at least one person disconnected from each other but we never played on a diamond together before we had such fun in that tournament we came i think we came third in that tournament despite the fact that we'd never played together as a group before uh, and we we literally played what uh, i don't know eight games over two days and had so much fun uh, and so the sand lot sticks in my mind matt that's pretty cool the, the Sandlot, well, Sandlot's up there. It's a classic. Uh, I would say my favorite one, I, I like every time on Major League, the first one, well, that, that's, it's got to be up there just because, like, it's got all the baseballisms and stuff like that. And, but I always get emotional when they, when they win that game at the end. I don't know why. It's just, like, it gets me every time. And then uh, I would say probably uh, Rookie of the Year just being like eight years old when that came out and being in, you know, that kid being eight years old playing in the bigs. Like I watched that thing on repeat. My son, Sonny likes that one too. He, that's one of his favorites. I think he's, he's a kid from American Pie. I think he is. It is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he grew up. He grew up. Yeah, yeah, himself he's, he was American Pie. Yeah. It's a good, it's a good one. It's on Disney plus. If anybody uh, is looking for it, it's an absolute classic. Not not a film, but there was a series called Pitch. I don't know if you guys ever saw it. It wasn't not all that long ago, uh, and it was about a female pitcher who pitched for the San Diego, San Diego Padres. Fictitious, but it was bloody brilliant. Only lasted one season. Um, I know, eight episodes or something. Um, and it, that was good fun. I enjoyed that. That sort of sticks in my memory just because it was a female baseball player who, who had stuff and um went out and competed on on the padres team and you you know it, it was just really well done and I, I thought that was a shame that that didn't come back i remember that one that was on fox uh thank you for reminding me because last game they somebody asked me uh, one of the legends and i'm telling you i'm teaching them they're taught they're asked they ask me about anything now like i'm teaching them all sorts of stuff and they said are are women allowed to play in the mlb and I said, yeah, absolutely they are. And I go, haven't you ever seen, do, uh, and then they started asking questions like, haven't you ever seen a league of their own? And like a league of their own? It's like, come on, dude. <laughs> like, that, you, that is, that's one of the, that one's up there too. That, a oh, league yeah. of their own. And, uh, you know, there's no crying in baseball. Like, I think I heard one guy in the dugout say there's no crying in baseball after I said a league of their own. So at least one guy knew about it. But uh, yeah, that, that one, if you haven't seen that. Yeah, I think they turned that into a series. They're either remaking it or they're making it into a series, I think. I'm sure about it somewhere. It might be like a Netflix original or something, but that'd be pretty good. That would be. Yeah, I'd watch that. Dear Netflix, please do it. Yeah, <laughs> I've heard all those people from Netflix, head office, listen to the show. <laughs> I bet they <laughs> you, do, Matt. I you bet please they won't do. go on deaf ears. Oh, do, 
I knew this was going to be a, a thing getting sidetracked. We were talking about baseball cards uh, on Monday, weren't we, J-Rod? I can't yep. even remember how the conversation started. Um, our, your, our boy from uh, uh, Bob on Baseball. Yes, yeah, yeah, Jason. Um, and you, you come up with a really unique way of using it because I, I like him for the stats. But J-Rod, you use it for um, something completely different, don't you? Yes, I do. I, I wish I had uh, – I'm not in my office right now, but I have like always a stack of baseball cards in my office next to my laptop and like in my station. There you go. And like right there. So I use them. I love the stats as well, especially from the 80s because things have changed so much. But I like right there, boom. I love the, uh, the mechanical side of it. So right there, you can look at the pictures – front shoulder you could see this his arm up is his arm in the right position you could see him at foot strike you can see all these hitters at like the perfect time where they're about to hit a baseball in the major leagues and uh, that's information like big time for me you know this is what a big leaguer is doing and I love watching it and especially right now uh, because I have all these cards from like the 80s and 90s uh, putting them side by side and looking at the ones from the 80s and how are they doing different how are they doing things differently than the ones from today? And then why are they, why did it shift that way? What was the result that that shift created? And, you know, maybe is there anything worth coming back to that was once forgotten? So that's why I look at baseball cards a lot, all day. Um, maybe not all day, but like when I'm just down <laughs> in my office, when I'm down in my office, I have them there and I'm like, they're there. They, I constantly look at them. And one of the best coaches I've ever had, uh, hitting coaches uh, had a cardboard cutout had a cardboard like thing that he put in our dugout with just, I don't know, a hundred baseball cards on it for of hitters. And then he'd do the same thing with pictures. And it was before the days where you could like print something out on the internet, I guess. But uh, it was, uh, it was, I love, I love just looking at him for that and the uniforms, of course. That's really cool. I, I, I was like, Never even thought that. I've got literally, I'm a better, I can testify to this, <laughs> hundreds of them just lying around the house now. I don't even, I'm not even collecting them. I've just managed to get a massive collection of them. So now I'm flicking through them, trying to find good ones to look at for like, oh, well, yeah, this is, it's going to be me in two years' time. Like, get my arms right. <laughs> there you go. That's it with the Manchester jersey on. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. There you go. You, you do uh, much card collecting, Chris, or are you? Something that you avoided? Do you know what? I I I collect them, and it was something that um, Bill Holmberg taught me, um, and that was have a stack of baseball cards in your pocket uh, as rewards for, for for the younger guys, particularly those sort of you know U fifteen uh, and back. Uh, and we talked about the homework thing um, last time I was on yeah. about me giving a, a, particularly the young guys and again it was mainly under 14s and actually a massive group of sort of under 10s homework their re- the reward for them doing that homework was they they told me their favorite players so i had baseball cards for most of their their favorite players so when i when i came back to training the following week and thanked them for um 
for doing their homework. I gave them baseball cards, put them up in front of everybody and said, this is what one of the things they told me about in their homework. Uh, and this is the baseball or the baseball cards that they're getting. Um, so yeah, I, and, and it increases uh, people's thoughts about the game. So I have them, but I have them for giving to other people. Um, and I actually I have a set right here, which I just got when my friend Paul ordered these for me. And I haven't looked at them all yet. This is the Negro League Legends baseball card set. Uh, and it's uh, a set, it's number 474 out of 5,000. And they're painted by Greg Kreindler. And they're all of them like painted and uh, like his paintings that are on cards. Uh, I think it's 180 in here. And I've been through about, I don't know, 30 so far. I have them on my desk. Occasionally have a quick look if I'm having a break and just, just read about a player that I haven't, that I don't know about yet. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm loving doing that at the moment. Uh, that, that's my thing with baseball cards is, is just that, that, that is probably more baseball cards than I have anywhere else in my house. That's, that's cool. It. Jocelyn's just passed me a note now saying, you're not lying. It is very annoying having all the baseball cards around the house. <laughs> Love it. She needs to come out and get her head, on, head in here and say, tell us facts, I don't know, notes. The, the thing is, I, I would do that, but she's, um, she's very pretty and she's very talkative. She's got a very good accent. She's done intro for me and done some stories. And I'm afraid that people want to see more of her instead of me. So <laughs> it's in my best interest to, to stay sat here and for Jocelyn to stay over there. <laughs> I'm pretty sure... Yeah, she's busy. She's she's a soldering on the switch. Well, um, funnily enough, I'm actually towards the end of, of anything that I had to, to sort of chat about. Unless you guys will have a chinwag about anything else. How did Guilford how did Guilford Mavericks do on Sunday, Chris? We did okay. Well, um, both teams we had our double A team split with the Croydon Pirates, um, and our single A team split with uh, Bracknell. Um, so yeah, we, we took splits and um, we had some fun. We had some fun, man. and that, that's the thing. Like particularly this year, it's all about having fun for my guys. I, I just want them to have fun, and we did. We had loads. Do you find Chris uh, being on the field that a lot of those things that may have maybe not caused problems, but just that annoyed people? Uh, about baseball and kind of maybe turned them off or maybe got a guy mad in the dugout like are people a lot more accepting to a lot of things now that because I'm trying to figure out because literally I just walked into the legends thing and it was like the best vibes I've ever had in my life and it was like oh and I started thinking the ego started working it's like oh yeah you got them dialed in it's like well we've all been inside for four months like maybe we're just happy to get out I started thinking about that. Like maybe, maybe they're just ready to live. Like you're talking about like these kids are listening. Maybe it's because they've been inside for four months thinking like, I can't wait to play baseball. I don't know. Do you see that? You <laughs> That's see a good that? question. No. Uh, yeah, I do. I do genuinely see that. Like, okay. So there's, there's, there's people who definitely just, just want to be out, want to be playing. Definitely. Um, I think it's different with the legends though, because I've seen a lot of those guys before. A lot of them have come to the BS UK academies and they have the same level of focus, man. They have the same level of focus. Um, and possibly even more so 
when when you're speaking man. and and they genuinely want to listen to you and i had some really good conversations with the players um sort of after the games on saturday they're really heavily invested in it so i think for us at, at, at the mavericks it's about let's like say this season's about having some fun and um building a fun uh, environment that people want to be people want to come to um so that we can then build up over the winter and look to uh, hopefully put out three or four because uh, I, I think we have the potential to go to four teams next year um to to, to put out four teams um and and then try and grow to grow the youth side as well so genuinely think it's about having fun this year whilst there's whilst there's the time to get out and play um and i think that, that that's what we're that's what we're doing um don't get me wrong we want to win and we one of our games for the for the millers we lost 10-9 to 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 bracknell that was heartbreaking man because we're the better team we were absolutely the better team and uh and, and could have won that game so yeah don't get me wrong we want to win uh, but at the same time I just want us to have as much fun as we can because let's face it, the last four or five months really have not been fun. We have been stuck indoors. We haven't been able to get at bats. We haven't been able to pitch any. So yeah, it's just great to do it with a bunch of people and have some fun. And we have. That's been incredible so far, man. It's been incredible. It really has the whole thing like Matt and you were there after the whole NBL played that same day. And it was like, how cool was that, man? We had the legends and the Mets. The Mets came up and helped the younger legends. Shout out to Aiden. Shout out to Aiden Pierce, by the way. Aiden, I hope you're watching this. But I saw him giving a lesson to one of our younger 15-year-old catchers after, behind home plate after the game. Didn't have to do that. He's from the other team. But awesome, man. Thank you so much. And then, like, just with the Essex Arrows over there in the London Capitals, like we're, I was playing beer pong with the London Capitals and the Essex Arrows were like doing a merengue competition and everybody was just hanging out at home plate. And it was like, dude, this is what we need, man. This is, this is it right here. Like, look at, look at like just good vibes in baseball, man. That's all you, that's all I need. Absolutely. Man. And uh, one of the things that, so I, one of the things you said, said to me was um, show up in, in uh, white pants and a black shirt. So I, sh I showed up in a black shirt. My black shirt was uh, similar to the one I'm on now, but it was the, uh, the Negro League 100-year um, centenary shirt. Yep. And some of the players were asking me questions about what that meant. And, and I asked them to go and have a look, try and, try and work it out for themselves, go and listen, go and listen to the stories. So I, I told them some stories of some of the players. And it's gr I love telling stories about the Negro Leagues anyway. Um, but just encourage them to go out and, and check out some of the legends because if you're talking about legends that that's a really great place to be great place to start fishing for uh, for information is uh, the stories that come out of the negro leagues and and um, yeah some of the players were asking me some interesting questions about my shirt and about why why i like that kind of stuff so i, I hope they go away and, and 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 take a look at it and and keep learning like i am because I, I, I keep learning that's all it's about Le learning for me is such a massive I, I get such a, a buzz out of learning something new. Such a buzz. Yeah. And, you're, and that's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. Yeah. Your episode that you did for um, The Empire Strikes Back with Bob on the Negro Leagues was superb. Great stories and that. Oh, man. Really good. Yeah, man. We, we just... 
uh, we, it's one of those things where you could, you can talk to somebody for so long. And I don't, I just, here's a question. Just, just talk. I'd rather just listen to the guy and, and I, I could listen to Bob Kendrick, uh, all day long, all day long. Um, and he tells some fantastic stories and we'll probably, I think I have chats to the guys. We need to probably drop that again because it's Jackie Robinson day and in, in the major leagues on, on Sunday. So we will probably drop that episode again. Um, just to sort of remind people about it and, um, uh, you know, uh, just to go and have a look at some of the, some of the cool stories. We talk about baseball films. I mean, it's, it's a relatively new one, but 42, um, which is the story of Jackie Robinson is an incredible film. That's a wonderful film. And my kids love that film too. So I, I so I made them watch that this, um, so the original Jackie Robinson day this year, which was 15th of April, um, when nothing really was going on, uh, we watched that. Uh, that film and um, they just recently asked me to watch it again which, I was, which surprised me a little bit um, so we, we watched it again um, but yeah that, that's, a, that's a great film too So cool. Jared are you uh, doing anything to keep yourself fresh with learning? Yeah always always uh, hungry for information um, I'm really <laughs> Well, I listened to the dugout chatter or uh, what is it? A stick and ball TV dugout chatter podcast with Sheets, yep. and it's such a great tool. And uh, you listen to that Jerry Weinstein podcast, Chris. Yep. If, if, if anybody's listening to this right now, listen, go to stick and ball TV podcast and uh, listen to the Jerry Weinstein one he did like two weeks ago. And it is like baseball school for offense. Just literally this dude for an hour and a half, ran through every single offensive play imaginable what to do with a runner on first and second when the pitcher's doing really well and you don't you need to get those guys a second and third but you still hit the ball so that you can score two runs instead of one like and he breaks it down like crazy so those podcasts are awesome and learning from guys like that and and reading a lot of books uh ken ken revisa i, I read a lot of ken revisa stuff for the mental game and brian kane as well i and brian kane spoke at a bsuk coaches summit uh, a few years back and that's one of the best uh, minds in sports uh, let alone baseball and then like right now, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I want to say it out loud uh, right now, but uh, some of the coaches who are close to me uh, know that like I'm on this thing right now where I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to put together baseball and quantum physics. So I've dove, I've dove down the deepest rabbit hole you can go, <laughs> wow. to, go into. Bye. Yeah. So like, I'm trying to figure it out. I really am. I, I, uh, I, I think I went too far with that one, but um with diving into it i'll probably never get out of that rabbit hole but that's kind of what i'm going to i'm just fascinated about the fabric that makes up our reality because like let's say 100 i could say that well it's like a real thing in sports the flow state like it's just that moment like michael jordan scoring 60 points in a game like you're on autopilot and everything's in slow motion and everything that you're doing is just happening and i it's got to come down to some kind of quantum physics it's got to be there's got to be something in the physical world that happens for you to see time slower. And I guarantee Mike Trout, I tell my players this all the time. I guarantee Mike Trout seeing the game at a different speed than anybody else. That's what makes them the best. And they do it more consistently. So how are these athletes seeing the game so slow? So I'd say I, I've like been going down that in sports psychology, breathing, meditation, mindfulness, and I got tied into quantum quantum physics. And I'm like, Oh man, I'm <laughs> 
we'll see. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But I'm trying to figure it out, man. It's nonstop, like Chris said, lifelong learning. And I think every coach should be like that because what the, the one day, the one season you say, I got it all figured out, that's when the game will humble you. It humbles you. The baseball gods hear you. So, and they watch you. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's where I'm at with everything right now. Man, it goes back to what we were saying earlier about everything, everything else in life, man. Because, like, the reality is you can't stop. Stuff moves on. Like, I, I, there's no way as a, as a manager of a team, as an example, um, I'm going to think that I know everything. And, and, and that's the way it's going to go because I want young, hungry people in my team who are going to tell me a better way. It's as simple as that. And it doesn't matter whether, whether that's on a baseball field or whether that's in my job. Um, it, it doesn't matter. There is going to be new things. There is going to be um, new ways of working and, and the ways of doing things that, that um, new coaches or new younger guys uh, come up with an, an idea or they, they can say just one thing, one sentence from from one of these guys can make a massive difference to your life the way that you coach the way that you the way that your team works as, a, as an actual team and it could be one line one line um, so yeah you, you've always got to be open to that kind of stuff always yeah and te- teaching the kids to have that as well teaching the kids to have that patience have that attention that and being able to focus on something or someone for long enough to where i mean this they could be talking to you for an hour and it might all be BS, but there's that one little nugget of gold that's going to help you in your journey, you know, get to the next level, beat the boss, whatever level you're at and get to the next one. Like, and, and that's teaching the kids that patience and, and putting them in situations. I think baseball does that. Like it teaches kids patience. Like you, you get, you get out, you might get out. You got to wait nine hitters to go again. Like, you know, you got to wait, you got to stew. Um, so it's just teaching kids patience and focus really at the end of the day that transcends all levels of life. And that's kind of what I'm going after. I, I gotta, I gotta shout out Matt. Cause I've, I've, I've balked on the, on the sports. I, I gotta say my, I always tell people my favorite sports movie of all time. It's, it could be a baseball movie as well, but I tell this joke to my team all the time. My favorite sports movie is the matrix. It's a sports movie. And it goes with, it goes with the quantum physics. Like that dude, all he did, all Keanu Reeves did was see the game slower than his opponent. That's it. Right. And all of a sudden he's the chosen one. So like, and that's sports. If you can see the game slower than your opponent, if you can get your mind right. And and that fastball that, that your opponent's seeing like, yeah. And you can see it like, (laughs) like you're going to win. You're going to be a good baseball player. So that's why I, I, my favorite sports movie is The Matrix. Are you sure? It's sparkling water. Yeah. <laughs> no, man. I'm just, that's just me. That's just me. That's awesome. And he, all the GB coaches will tell you, dude. All the GB, they, they, yeah. I feel bad for him sometimes having to be stuck in a Zoom call with me because I, I don't know, man. I, I make connections sometimes that not a lot of other people make. I've seen that film so many times. I love that film. I remember, I remember being in a, in a flat where, when it came out with a bunch of friends and we just watched it all the time. It was a great film. I have never looked at it as a, as a sports film. You're absolutely hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Sports that psychology. So much sense. Film. Yeah. Totally. Sports, Cause that's it. Like, and it was, and in the judo, the judo scene in the, in the dojo, like that, yeah. like that was it, man. That's the moment. And that's what we're trying to teach with our kids. So yeah, I got to go watch it again. I haven't seen it for a couple of years, but yeah, I got to get on that. Me either. I'm all over that now. Yeah. That's yeah, the weekend yeah. sorted. There you uh, 
check out the podcast with Backflip and Nerds with Meredith Wills. She's the baseball astrophysicist. Yes. Meredith. Okay. All right. Mer- All right. Ooh, I don't have my. Pen. Where's my pen? Where's my pen? Yeah. Damn you. I'll, I'll <laughs> text, text me you. that, please. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I'm trying because my buddy actually is the head coach at Caltech, which is the same school for like, um, what is that show? The sh- the show with the with what? Oh no, the one with like the the space astronaut guys. Uh, Big Bang Theory. Yes, Big Bang Theory. Thank you. I don't know how I made that connection. I, was they, I know it was the worst like, description. Just, we're, <laughs> we're on the same page, man. Well, hey, that's that's how the legends are, really. I don't know how they figure it out, anyways. But there's something keeping up with my mind that it forges them. Uh, sparkling like, water, yeah. <laughs> sparkling water thing. But like uh, the my buddy is the coach where that where they that school is based of that where that show is based that school Caltech with all those guys. He's the head coach of their baseball team. I think they've won like two games in the last 10 years, but he, he run all his players are like geniuses. So I, I called him. I was like, Hey man, let me get over there and pick your guys' brains. Cause like who else he, I don't know if anybody's putting that together, astrophysics and baseball, but Meredith is. So listen, I'm sure. Yeah, I will. I will. That's awesome. I'll reach out to her, man. I want to, I want to get some time talking to her about that stuff. Cause I started getting into it just like recently, like a month or two ago. And it's like, man, there might be something here. Yeah. Astrophysics PhD, baseball hall of fame, baseball construction expert, data scientist, official sorcerer, superhero, knitting designer, not necessarily in that order. Gentlemen, I'm very well aware of the time and I know it's been a long day for a few of us. So um, I unfortunately, I'm going to end the episode there, but this has been an absolute riot. Really enjoyed every minute of it. Uh, thank you both very much for your time. And uh, it's anything else you want to add before we go? Last word to the guests. Thank you guys, both of you guys for your support of the legends and just what we're doing out there and, and all the exposure that you brought to the kids, especially. And I mean, that fuels their fire. So I think what we're doing now, and I tell the legends this all the time, it's like what we're doing now is, is building like you, like these kids may have to drive two hours to go play baseball right now, but with everything that they're doing and all the support that you guys are bringing them, like their kids won't have to do that. And, you know, that's, that's Matt, like what we're doing there is that's the important part. So thank you guys for your help on that. You know, it's been awesome. It's been a great ride. Thank you. Pleasure. Chris. Uh, Big thanks to J-Rod really. I mean, like uh, his, uh, what was it? What was her name? Wells? Meredith Wells. Meredith Wells. Wells. So, uh, so I, I, J Rod's my uh, my my Meredith Wells. I'm 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 trying to le- leech his knowledge. Simple as that. Uh, and he's letting me do it, so that's awesome. Um, I'm hoping hoping I contribute a little bit. Um, I guess the only other thing for me, I, I touched on it a bit earlier, is Jackie Robinson Day, 28th of August. Um, go and learn something about Jackie Robinson Day, why it's so important and why he was so important, but particularly like his name is a is a really interesting one. Hell, there's an awful lot more names in that in, in that Rolodex of cards. Uh, Josh Gibson, Cool Papa Bell, uh, Satchel Page, um, uh, Martin Diego. Wow, uh, go go and find out something about them uh, on Jackie Robinson Day. Um, is what I'd say to to the people listening because there are some stories there, man. Okay. 
Yep. Sure. And you want to talk about being committed and, and um, going through a lot to play the game just out of love and passion for the game. There's no better example in the history of baseball than what those guys went through and then their whole journey. And gosh, unbelievable. So gotcha. thank you for bringing light to it, Chris. That's because that's great. Uh, it's a story that needs to be told. Too right. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, can't think of a better way to end the show. Uh, thank you very much again for your time. And I'll see you soon. Take care. Right on. Take care, guys. All right. Cheers, man.